Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Doing good. I think this intro can be kind of short because uh, it's pretty much just a fight night episode. This was a live stream that David and I did uh, this past Saturday and David explained to me WTF is up with the yield farming. So to all you Bitcoiners out there that want to learn a little bit about what the hype is about, um, this is definitely a nice high level overview of that. Before we get into it, though, uh, let's talk about Alto IRA. Alto IRA is one of the best places for you to invest in Bitcoin, Ether and other cryptocurrencies uh, in a tax beneficiary way. Uh, you can defer your taxes using an IRA, especially with an active trading strategy. And with Alto IRA, you can trade within Coinbase 24-7 with all of Coinbase's features, including custody, um, and ha- be able to defer those short-term capital gains uh, to when you retire. So you can use a regular IRA, you can get a Roth IRA, Uh, They have a bunch of other options too. You don't have to just use crypto inside this IRA, but the crypto IRA is uh, what we assume you guys are most interested in. Uh, So check out altoira.com backslash POV crypto. Make sure to use POV crypto so that way they know we sent you there. Uh, Really appreciate their support and it really helps us if you guys use our link when you check out Alto IRA. Let's just get get into the episode. Christian, how you doing? I woke up like two hours ago and I thought I was going to be really hungover. So I'm feeling much better now and ready to to learn about all these shit coins. <laughs> well, so that's the thing. They're not shit coins anymore. They're they're good. They're good coins. They're they're real real things. They're real the real deal. Okay, so uh, what what are we talking about here, David? Okay, so in the last week and a half, Compound, uh, which is was, and now maybe the first biggest, it was it was the second biggest application on Ethereum. I think just maybe not in any formalized metric, but um, definitely in value locked up behind Maker. Uh, but now it's got this token, like it's it's basically its own equivalent of the MKR token with different parameters, but it's the the equity token like of the Compound uh, system, right? And uh, the only way to get it is by, for those that don't know, Compound is a borrowing and lending platform. So you can supply assets and then receive uh, interest payments from the people that borrow those assets. Uh, and then if you want to borrow assets, you lock up collateral, which then you can also be supplying that to. You lock up collateral and, and in order to borrow stuff. Uh, and so you pay interest rates. And then if you're supplying, you also receive uh, receive those payments. The so only pretty way much to get- you get comp by using com- Compound. You get comp by using compound, right? And so like the only way you get those tokens is by doing one of those two activities. And so like if you supply a bunch of DAI or a bunch of Ether or a bunch of Tether or whatever, you get an issuance of comp token. It's called liquidity mining because like the only way to do it is by providing real value, right? And like what proof of work is, is like this provably... I, I prove to you that I did a bunch of real work. Like you can't fake proof of work. And so in compounds, the same thing. You can't fake supplying uh, liquidity, right? So uh, there's only a certain number of approved tokens in compound like DAI, BATS, Tether, Ether, MKR, REP, et cetera. 
And so you supply those and then you get like little dividends in comp token. And comp token is the governance token over compound, right? And in the same way that MKR is like the governance token over MakerDAO. Uh, and so it incentivizes liquidity to come into compound, which makes compound a better protocol. And because there's more assets going into compound, that means that there's more cash flows that the comp tokens govern over, which means the value of that token should increase. And if the token, if the value of that token increases, that incentivizes further liquidity. So it's like this growth hack bootstrapping flywheel mechanism that has really changed the conversation as to what a token on Ethereum uh, is, like what it really means. What makes this different than just some like stupid random reward point or reward token that they're getting? Like why why is someone going to jump through hoops and put their quote unquote put their assets at risk inside this contract um, in order to get comp tokens? Right. Okay. So there, yeah, you, you supply assets and then there's some risk involved. So why are you rewarded with something valuable rather than just some shitty token? And the answer to that is because- Or why like, is it even valuable? Because, okay, so you get to govern over the compound protocol. And so it's it's like a share of a business, right? So you get to decide and dictate the rules of a business. And this business has a bunch of cash flows through it. And so the assumption is that at some point in the future, the comp token holders are just going to vote themselves into cash flows, right? It's just it's, think of it as just a normal share of a company, right? And so your people are just going to vote themselves into the money at some point in time. They're probably not going to do that now because they want to they want to grow it, right? So they don't want to suck up some, and they don't want to capture value too early, right? They want to they want to be like a you know they're in their growth phase, right? So they don't want to cap they want don't want to take cash flows too soon because they want those cash flows to go to the users because that's how the, the application grows. But at some point, it's just basically assumed that the value of governance is to what degree can you govern over the cash flows and send it into your pocket as an owner of uh, the protocol. Can you talk a little bit about the token distribution and stuff like that? Uh, did Compound just automatically get a portion or are they having to liquidity mine as well? Yeah, so yeah, there is a 10 million hard cap, which is actually just like uh, MakerDAO. Uh, let me pull this up. Um, uh, let's see, okay. Apologies to the streamers for not having this ready. Shame, David. Shame. Uh, okay. Damn. Uh, okay. I need to pull up Robert Leisure's tweet. He has it. Uh, so like, so, yeah, uh, while you're doing that, I guess I can talk. Um, <laughs> so the reason I, like, I actually asked David to do this cause like, I just kind of want to understand, like one of the things that perplexes me about, uh, Ethereum is like, the emergence of tokens over and over again um and it seems as though something's different with these sets of tokens like maybe there is a real place for them and they're actually for things that exist um mm -hmm. but i i still like i'm very curious to see you know how this plays out because i think 
generally speaking, tokens don't work, and generally speaking, they're bad UX. But um, it just depends on you know how necessary these tokens are to actually utilize the protocol. Right. So that's that's one of the things that this this new iteration of tokens is. Um, different from like the ICO mania where like bat, for example, like you have to use bat to pay for the services of brave, right? This isn't like that. You don't need the comp token in the same way. You don't need MKR to use MakerDAO. You don't need comp to use compound. It operates in the background much in the same way that like using Netflix doesn't require you to own ownership over the Netflix token, but using Netflix does put value into the Netflix, uh, company. Uh, and so like, this is why I really get really confused with, with people that say like token tokens generally don't make sense. Like the, the word token is just like a placeholder for, or something, uh, that, that means value. And it's just a, a reference to how like expandable or malleable the concept of a, of a token is. And in this case, it's meaning like equity over an application, like ownership over an application, like shares of an LLC. And so like we have seen this before, it's shares of an LLC and you can, we can just call shares of an LLC tokens and then it should make sense. Like the, the line tokens don't make sense doesn't make sense to me. Um, I'm curious to say, to hear what Jake Travinsky thinks of uh, that comparison of tokens are shares in an LLC. Um, I'm sure he would have a different uh, opinion in his brain than what he is allowed to have come out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, all right, did you find what you needed to find? Uh, kind of, close enough. Um, and so uh, there is a, a, a link that we can all go to. Uh, if I share my screen, does that fuck up the stream? It does. Okay. There's a link we can all go to. It's compound.finance slash governance slash leaderboard. And it's literally like a leaderboard of who owns what tokens. And so like all the top ones are like identified, right? Because that's how things work. But then as you get further down, it just turns into normal Ethereum addresses. Um, okay, uh, wait, try, try sharing your screen. I made a new window. Okay. I'm going to try to make this work in real time. All right. It actually doesn't look bad. Okay, cool. Coming in at a whopping 3.45% is A16Z. Uh, coming in at 3.26% Polychain and then Paradigm and then Robert Lesher himself at what 1%. Whoever Jeffrey Hayes is, Dharma has some. Um, oh, this isn't ownership. This is voting weight. So, so, how does that so work? people can delegate their votes to people. Uh, and so Dharma doesn't own these, but there have been 100,000 uh, tokens delegated to Dharma. So it's, it's like a delegated voting system. It's like voting shares. Um, and so over uh, the compound proposals, uh, this is the weight that these different institutions have um, as a voting body of the compound system, right? Man, so this is just like a people network. like to drop their pants for VCs. Well, that's where all the money is. I mean, but like three point four or five percent, two point two six, three point two six percent. That's like that's not much at all, right? That's a that's a crazy low number. If we compare it to the distribution of like typical equity in typical companies and and also importantly stake in proof of stake or or work in proof of work that like, that is way more distributed than anything i've ever seen well that's also not the distribution of the tokens that's just the distribution of the voting delegation yeah i am trying to find the distribution of the tokens 
there i saw a chart with uh like the biggest miner and then the second biggest like liquidity miner and stuff like that there's there's um, also been something uh interesting about this is that uh, a lot of people are triggered by how useful tether is uh in doing this and how it uh yields a lot of comp was it borrowing tether yeah. mm-hmm so that that is my one concern over this right now. And so like if you go to let's go to we can go to DeFi Pulse and we can see how much uh, new value has been deposited into the compound system. And it's like a lot. Uh, before this happened, there were there was like one hundred and ten million dollars of value put into the compound system. And right now there is four hundred and eighty. So like it's almost five X because of this incentive mechanism and so like, and what what's happening is like, it's in you're get, you're getting your return subsidized by this distribution of comp, right? And so there's there's uh, a, out of the ten million comp um, that are currently issued, there is a portion. I think it's like it's like uh, four point five million, so forty five percent that is built into this like distribution mechanism. And so you're just having your your value deposited and the returns you get just subsidized because of this comp token. Uh, and you not so, only like, get the interest rate, but you also get you also comp get the on comp. top of it. And right. the amount of comp that you get depends on which token you you're oh, right. which token you're putting in or uh, borrowing. Right. So there's two things of concern here that that are worth noting. One is like okay, so there's like 400, almost 400 million dollars more deposited into Compound. That doesn't mean that there is 400 million dollars of actual real use. Right. It is kind of like that Bitcoin or of just like, okay, I take my tokens out of here and I put it into here and then, and then we're all trading with each other, but like there, how much real use is actually coming out of this? Like how many people are actually like out of the increased liquidity and reduced costs of borrowing from compound? How many people have like changed their, made a decision that changed their life? Like they decided to pull out a loan to buy a car or something or did something real with it that isn't just like swapping value around in these different DeFi protocols. I, I'm going to guess it's a relatively small percentage but it's at the early days. And so it's important to like establish this so that, you know, the interest rates can come down so people can uh, borrow more. Uh, and so like that does have to happen. And then also there's like subjectivity, which with what tokens we want to subsidize more than others. So it's not, it's, it's the amount of comp that's issued by, for a specific uh, pair or for a specific token is managed by the governance of compound, right? And so that governance could like, balance it poorly right and so like people are supplying bat to compound in order to receive comp token i bet you that's mainly worthless that's not a a, a worthwhile activity to do like we don't really need to be supplying bat like no one that is hella that. useful in DeFi, bro <laughs> to get comp right <laughs> so like liquid. it is this fucking game right it is this fucking game of just like moving moving assets around and then and then watching the charts go up well i'll yeah, actually it, i'll quote you though um the fact that there's 5x more um tokens in there and there's 5x more liquidity that is increased economic bandwidth to use your and ryan's term and therefore if someone wants to pull out x amount of uh, tether or usdc or whatever um mm -hmm. to do what they want to do they actually can versus mm -hmm. they actually mm -hmm. couldn't they just like let's say you know the amount of tether i want to pull out was twice as as much as you know comp could really or compound could really manage before this you know now it's not now it, it actually i could do that activity if i wanted to yeah so like there is a dichotomy of like first it's fake 
and then and then it'll create real real use real value um but right now there's definitely some shenanigans going on like people are because this is so early people are earning like a hundred percent apr right now from supplying that which is just like ridiculous um but it's just that we're like three or four days into this right i mean i mean people are gonna game this for a, a long time probably yeah yeah the okay so like and all other borrowing and lending applications on Ethereum, like Aave or whatever, uh, now you have to do this, right? So this is why the, the comp token is the, is cool because that's just a cool thing. But like why this is a paradigm shifter is that it redefines what a token on Ethereum means, right? And so it turns these stupid, uh, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan on Bankless called these uh, uh, futility tokens. It turns a stupid futility token into a capital asset that generates revenue for you. And that's, which is a, an asset that we've seen across time, right? We know these things are valuable and it actually gives real purpose and meaning and, and legitimacy to the tokens themselves. And it also creates a strong incentive mechanism to bootstrap an application. So like all other uh, uh, projects on Ethereum basically have to do this now, which uh, I think will turn us into like the golden age of tokens on Ethereum, right? The golden age of DeFi tokens. Um, there was this... Uh, well, these capital assets exist, like Aave already had a token. A lot of these, uh, not all of these contracts already had a token, but a lot of them did. Like, are they going to essentially redesign the token and apply it to, to yeah, probably. meet this mm -hmm. use case? Mm -hmm, who's who's going to be the yeah. next to do it? I think Curve. Did Curve have a token? I think this uh, kind of gives I people an advantage. Curve has a token. People that did no. not have a token before, now they can spin it up and then apply this versus having to yeah. backtrack their existing useless token that they probably used as a money grab. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, so like some people definitely saw this coming like a long time ago. Like Balancer has, has a token like this, the BAL token. Uh, and they are doing the same thing with like liquidity mining where you supply assets to Balancer and you get you get the BAL token. Um, and so they were already doing this. And then there was uh, a an application that spun up a beta version. It was another like derivatives, le like leveraged system on Ethereum, uh, more more trustless, but it had this, uh, uh, the token. And it this happened like months ago, like two months ago, where they spun up like their not reviewed alpha version of their code. And so because it had this token involved, so many people deposited so much ETH that they had to shut it down because they were scared because it hadn't been audited. And they told people, it's like, yo, don't deposit into this like that much. Like, this is risky, yo. And like, people are like, no, I want the fucking token. And so they shut it down because too many people, it, it was too successful too quick. Uh, and so like, this is why we think that there's like this new mania, like coming on Ethereum is because like, this token model is like clearly working. It's working extremely well. And it's fixing all the shitty things about like what tokens were in 2017, 2018. I mean, I'm, I'm very curious, like it's going to get overdone. And then at what point does it getting overdone, like take away from the model? Like how much of the, the excitement around these tokens is around like, oh my gosh, they got to get this token. This is how I get the token. This is how I'm going to get yield, whatever. Because there's definitely mm -hmm. this like massive urge, like let's do stuff with my ETH. Let's do stuff with my tokens. Let's earn money, make it work for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, not all of them are going to be valuable and not all the platforms are already going to be a massive platform like Compound and then add mm -hmm. the incentive structure. A lot of them are going right. to be like, oh, here's the incentive structure. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't even compete at all once there's actual competition for liquidity. But, I mean, ultimately, it does seem like it is improving. I don't know. I just think that, again, like, 
ETH heads love tokens, and I'm just kind of curious at what point, like, how much of it is real versus how much of it um, uh, is is just kind of like excitement for doing stuff with your ETH. Right, but but also to to harp on this again, like we call them tokens because that's like the name that stuck. But these are really just like equities over these protocols. They're protocol equity, uh, and so. Uh, token seems like this fleeting thing. It's like, oh, so it's just a token. But but no, it's like a cash, like all of these tokens that follow this same model are cash flow generating tokens of the underlying assets in the application. So which COP doesn't do that have. yet, right? No, no. But the, but the theory is that the governance is just going to vote it in. Like, why wouldn't you? Okay, so like, can you talk a little bit about like what the COP governance looks like right now? Obviously, there's already... Mm-hmm. Like there are, were already tokens that were uh, determined to pay out more comp versus less comp. Was that decided by the co- the compound company um, before the token got dropped? Compound like, Labs. Yeah, sure. Yeah, how, how did it all work out? Uh, and so you can go to uh, the governance section of Compound and submit like a proposal. And uh, Dharma has been doing this. I think they submitted a proposal to reduce uh, the comp rewards for Tether. Um, but it's basically, it's just like um, as m- any sort of governance proposal for MakerDAO. It's just you you put up a proposal and then the people that hold the comp token vote or vote for or against it. Um, and so it's just like a using the internet as a platform to make governance dis- decisions from a distributed set of, of comp holders. Um, it's just like voting in a company. Um, let's talk about Tether because um, sure. I want to bring it back to Tether. What's your what is your opinion about Tether? Because I think most people in the Ethereum community effing hate Tether, and most people in the Bitcoin community think it's the only token that actually matters. Uh, I don't think that's what Ethereum people think of Tether. I could be wrong. Like Tether's annoying because it makes my transactions really costly, but that's just like on a personal level, right? And the other reason why like Ethereum people may not like Tether is like it's just not involved in DeFi. Like Tether uses Ethereum, but it doesn't really use DeFi as much as like DAI or USDC does. But other than that, like I would say like all all uses of Ethereum are legitimate, right? Like even the Ponzi schemes, right? And so um, Tether is like its own app. It's definitely, and uh, some, somebody was saying like how, how hypocritical DeFi was for like integrating Tether, specifically in relation to Compound, right? For integrating Tether into Compound when like what DeFi was supposed to do was to like remove the need for Tether for like a block, black box bank account with some undisclosed amount of value in it. Uh, and, and that was hypocritical because DeFi is all about exposure, like like transparency and everything. But I, w- I was claiming the opposite where it says like, you know, any any use of Ethereum that pays the fees are legitimate. Like if you're if you are su- su- supplying Tether or borrowing Tether from Compound or any of these other DeFi apps, you're paying fees, and you get to do that. And the only reason why you would pay these fees is because the market has some amount of demand for Tether that makes it legitimate. So, uh, I mean, in my opinion, like Tether is paying the most fees on Ethereum out of any other app on Ethereum, right? And so that just speaks to its legitimacy. Uh, clearly, there's a demand for it. Other than the two random transactions that paid like ten million dollars each in fees, yeah, uh, we're still we're still peeling, about, peeling back the layers on that one. We don't know what happened there. I was writing a thread about why ETH heads need to get over their hate for Tether and how important Tether is. I don't think is. ETH heads hate hate Tether. 
that's not what my feed said, but I was writing a thread and I was trying to take a screenshot just showing how important Tether is. And then it's just like, it just does not look as impactful because there's these two random transactions that are ahead of Tether in terms of total gas spent or gas paid for. <laughs> I'm just like, God damn it. You're ruining my freaking thread. <laughs> yeah, that, that was weird. Uh, I don't know. And the fact that it happened multiple times, there's a lot of conspiracy theories around that. Like people don't think it was a fat thumb, but I don't, I don't know anything. So about that it's pretty weird <laughs> it's pretty weird it's pretty weird it's like what two million dollars per transaction so like four and a half or something million dollars in total fees that were paid by a fat thumb to, to send like 0.1 eth or something yeah they didn't send any eth <laughs> it's just yeah. like they wanted to burn the eth mm-hmm. and then and then uh the, the mining pool that mined one was like hey if this is a mistake we'll give it back but you have 24 hours to contact us or 48 hours yeah. or something like that yeah. like obviously they want to distribute the the fee <laughs> Right. I, yeah. Uh, which is kind of weird, right? Like a, a mining pool saying like, cause like as a miner of that mining pool, like they didn't ask me if I wanted to distribute that fee. Like that was a legitimate fee paid to the Ethereum protocol. Like that goes to the miners. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it did ultimately. Oh, did it, did it get, get, go to the miners? It so didn't get the, the mining pool, I forget which mining pool it was. It's not spark uh, pool. Yeah. Spark pool. They're like, Hey, if this was your transaction, you know, was it a mistake? Get in contact with us. We can give it back to you. You mm-hmm. have 48 hours or whatever. It wasn't very much time. Uh, and then the and then no one contacted them. So they're like, all right, we're giving it to the miners. It's fine. We're giving Damn, it to our... too bad it wasn't Nanopool or else you would have gotten a bunch of ETH. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking, I was like, David, you picked the wrong pool, bro. <laughs> that My... did happen a while ago, uh, a long, long time ago, where somebody sent like 25 ETH in a block and you did mine that block. Um, or nanopool did my uh yeah uh those gpu rigs have been serving me well i got them hooked up to my little brother and cousin they're both like getting into bitcoin and crypto nice so i was like okay here's edge wallet here's how you sell it directly into bitcoin don't hold this shit (laughs) of course of course indoctrinating them into the uh into the maximalist maximalist religion you know but hey i'm still giving them eth so i guess maybe i (laughs) I could be putting them uh down the wrong rabbit hole yeah that's that's the claim all right what else we want to talk about all right well i mean so eth heads don't hate tether um and at least i don't yeah i I don't consider you the normal eth head though because you also don't hate mining I, i i think what makes you special is a lot of like your understanding or or nuanced views on this stuff um, yeah definitely came from from this this podcast right so that that's kind of what uh i've tried to to push like the the, ban- the bankless movement into is like bitcoin is part of being bankless right banklessness and bitcoin are totally aligned in their in their ideals right like opt out of the system be your be your own bank be your like do whatever uh independence from from nation states right and, and bitcoin absolutely fits under that umbrella I mean, I would consider Bankless mostly Bitcoin. That's why it get, triggers me that you guys are an ETH podcast. And it should just be well, mostly a Bitcoin podcast. If you're following the Bankless uh, narrative, it's that if at, at maturity, Bitcoin turns into a banked system or is what we are worried about. I'm not worried about that at all. But why not? There, Bitcoin is just, uh, it's an asset that gives you options. So you can choose to use it how you want. That doesn't mean it's going to yeah, be not, a bank system. Not at scale. Like maybe it gives you options today, but like as the system 
matures and develops, if it wants to be a system for the whole global world, people are going to have to interact with the Bitcoin blockchain through an intermediary. Uh, I think that that is completely uncreative and we have no idea how people are going to interact with the Bitcoin blockchain. Why? Okay. And so, also this, this fetish that. over on-chain usage is completely unrealistic, even for Ethereum. Okay. Hang on. There's two subjects there. Uh, one, one, we don't know the future, which yes, we don't know the future, but we can see us moving there. Right. Like we, we can, we see how getting access to the Bitcoin system is completely is starting to be become mediated by Bitcoin banks, crypto banks, and th that the on-chain capacity of Bitcoin does not allow for much else other than that. Is that wrong? Uh, and how, how is that? What, what am I missing in my creativity or my imagination that that makes that wrong? We, we just don't know what the future of transaction fees are going to look like. We don't know what the future of block space is going to look like. We don't know what the future of Lightning Network and other smart contracts on top of Bitcoin look like. Uh, we don't know what any of this stuff looks like. Uh, I think Bitcoin's killer app is yet to, I mean, I guess, you know, Bitcoin's killer mainstream uses is, is yet to be invented. Uh, the best developers to develop on Bitcoin have yet to discover Bitcoin yet. And it's just we, we, we just aren't there yet. And for the time being, it is very reasonable to use the Bitcoin blockchain. And uh, we, we just don't know what that's going to look like. On top of that, even if there is, like, I do believe that Visa, MasterCard, all existing payment layers that already exist will support Bitcoin. So yes, a lot of Bitcoin usage will be happening on intermediated uh, levels. But again, Bitcoin gives you options. That's why it's programmable money. You can put it on Visa network. You can transact with it off chain. You can transact with it uh, on chain. Uh, so I don't know, just saying, hey, it's going to be in banks, banks bad. That's it. Like I just, it's not anyone's take at all. And I don't know, it's just not creative at all. Well, okay. If, if, Bitcoin is being used by the people through the Visa network. That's what we are concerned about. Like, okay, Visa is not a bank, but it's still an intermediary. Well, it's going to be used on the Visa and, network. And it it's going to be used on every network. Yeah, it's just, but that's the whole thing is like, if you think that it's going to be everywhere, like you would need that chain to be expressive, which I don't, I don't think Bitcoin is. That's an arbitrary. I don't think it needs to be expressive at all. It just needs to be good money and permissionless. Yeah, so that a bunch of services can crop up and allow you to use it in expressive ways. I mean, just holding Bitcoin and selling it in the future for more money is using Bitcoin. So, uh, I mean, yeah. again, there's like this fetish around like, oh, I got to be able to use it. I got to be able to do all this stuff like. Bitcoin is good money. That's using it. And guess what? It's permissionless money. People are going to permissionlessly use it as money inside their application. Those applications can take any form. Let's If you switch over to the ETH version, there's these arbitrary definitions about what is a decentralized app that is kosher. Guess what? Most of them are bullshit. <laughs> Most of them are centralized. Most of them are just playing security theater. Uh, so no, it's just a waste of it, 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 it's it's kind of like a it's kind of like this arbitrary definition so that way we can fit this stupid mold uh, that doesn't actually create or necessarily create more value and it doesn't actually create your make your thing you know more permissionless or more safe or more whatever it's just you know here's our arbitrary definitions you don't fit this therefore you're not 
you know, you're banked. It's just, it's stupid. Okay, so like, like there, there it, is these... will, will it, Bitcoin, will, sorry, will Ethereum proof of stake if it's centralized on exchanges, like, is that bankless? Like, what happens there? Like, if all these massive banks are the validators, is that actually bankless? I would say a bunch of fucking miners that are killing each other over how to get the best electricity prices, like, that's way more competitive. That's way more bankless to me. That ensures that the foundation of the system is uh, uncapturable. Yeah. Yeah. The the sticking on exchanges is something to be concerned with. Um, the But at the same time, like, sta- the stake isn't governance, right? Like, governance isn't built into into the ether token right in the same way that governance isn't built into an asic right and so like just because you have 51 percent of the hash power doesn't mean that you get to dictate where where bitcoin goes you get to fuck with the system but it's not you you don't get to control yeah you don't don't get to coordinate and control the community and what people value and ultimately ultimately it's what people value that dictate where bitcoin goes right uh and the same is true for for exchanges and staking right and at the same time, like everything that we are building in DeFi, I know you don't consider DeFi apps decentralized, but I'm sure some of them are, but a lot of them are. The thing is, like, this, it, yeah. you're, you're, in my opinion, you're using an unhelpful anchor point, right? So, like, you're using like ma- some maximal version of like decentralization, like Bitcoin or Uniswap as like that anchor point. When the real anchor point I think it should be used is something closer to like whatever we have today in the centralized world. Like, compare DeFi apps to their legacy counterpart, not to like this utopian primacy, like maximal decentralization uh, that we have with Bitcoin and Uniswap. You should compare them to the the legacy alternatives. So like Compound is somewhat centralized in the sense that there is Compound Labs and MakerDAO too. They're the Maker Foundation. But like the, the other alternative is like the Federal Reserve or lending tree or whatever, where there's 12 white dudes who are from the United States in a dark room, as opposed to a token that is tradable on a free open market on the internet that requires no permission or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like comparing the centralization of MakerDAO to Bitcoin is not helpful. You need to compare it to their the real world counterparts. So first and foremost, uh, I don't, I don't think that comparing them to Bitcoin is helpful. I agree with you there. Um, but I don't think that the real-world counterparts are as bad as you think they are if it wasn't for the underlying system that they're built on. That underlying system that they're built on is the USD system that has the Federal Reserve making decisions on how money is issued and how that money is used. It's not like Square is malicious. It's not like Visa is malicious. Um, it, it's built on a power structure. So there's nothing wrong with a group of people coordinating around making business services and owning servers and running a business and accepting permissionless money. And guess what? Those organizations are going to become more and more distributed and more and more um, censorship resistant because of Bitcoin. I think a great example of that is Tether. Guess what? A lot of Tether's treasury is actually in Bitcoin now. They've admitted it. It's not only USD assets because Bitcoin makes them much more censorship resistant. So um, I just think that just, you know, again, it's like blockchain. (laughs) Like it doesn't actually make it more censorship resistant and or 
uh, permissionless. Like, because it's on the blockchain, because it's distributed governance, whatever, you know, insert uh, your, your buzzword, like, that doesn't actually necessarily achieve the means. So to just say that, oh, you know, it's going to be centralized people running a business that are going to give services to Bitcoin, like that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to be permissionless. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be susceptible to regulatory capture or that they're going to just bend over to regulators. Um, And then on top of that, we just don't know what the future of uh, permissionless layers on Bitcoin is going to look like. That that is still an unknown. So I don't know. Again, I think this is definitely a tangent. Okay, well, sweet, great. I mean, again, I think that Ethereum is part of the Bitcoin ecosystem. So, if you uh, if you nom nom nom, orange coin tastes so good, great. <laughs> you are literally giving utility to Bitcoin as permissionless money. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, sure. again, like it's it, it's you know continuing to uh, financialize and monetize Bitcoin. And can okay. Ethereum scale? Can all these things happen to? allow ethereum to continue to compete as a service layer for bitcoin maybe we'll see so here's where i i often see bitcoiners missing about building on ethereum right and we talked about this with alex alex fetsky and and a few other bitcoiners who are like um ethereum is a place for minimally extractive services right and so there's there's three services that are doing like really, the comp governance who is for sure going to start extracting value. Yes, exactly like that. Yes. So there's Maker, there's Compound, there's Aave. They're, they are doing the same things in the same space. And they all and because they of composability, there's also composable competition, right? And so these things are basically doing similar services. They're allowing you to uh, deposit assets and then take out uh, a loan with some sort of interest rate. And the fact that these things are operating in the same space makes them hyper competitive and they and they keep each other in check because if uh, Ethereum is like this free market crucible that allows for the free market, the hand of the free market, the invisible hand to pick and choose winners and losers instantly, like every block by block. Whereas in the real world, it happens way slower because things happen slower in the real world. And so like the, the fact that like, if there's one protocol that is just extracting too much can just be trivially forked and replace it with a, the same protocol that ha- extracts less or it's sibling protocols that basically do the same services. We know that that's not the case. Like you can trivially I, no, fork it, but you can't fork liquidity. You can't fork the community. You can't fork the existing devs. Like we know unless you fact. give them an incentive to exit the system right and so like the the you can't you can't fork liquidity but, but you what can if they're making lots of money on incentive. maintaining their existing system i i don't well, think the, like, I, I i don't think that ethereum invented capitalism maybe it made it more fluid no, but it, i think uh, that bitcoin is definitely going to make capitalism did, more it fluid turned too. it on steroids yeah, so like this is Nick Carter's thesis about like free banking on Bitcoin and and how like the golden age of free banking in like in like Scotland or whatever using gold was like hyper competitive and it used it, it did really good things for uh, the consumer right competition is always good for the consumer and this it's just the, the difference is on Ethereum it just moves faster and happens at a faster tick rate because of composability and because it's all in this one one sphere of existence where international state boundaries and regulations and laws don't matter. They don't play out on Ethereum. I'm, tw- I'm live tweeting now. Um, but, uh, okay. Uh, I-, I don't think that they don't apply it to Bitcoin. 
I think yeah, no, it's, 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 it's just the, the same things apply. It's just it's just a matter of like how fast do they innovate and iterate. And on Ethereum, we see faster innovation and iteration and competition for users faster than anywhere we have ever seen elsewhere in the world. That's your opinion. No, dude, that's. Are you analyzing everything that's happening in the world? I know I can see how no. things move so incredibly fast on Ethereum, and I don't see that happening elsewhere in the world. So you're ignorant to how things are happening in the real world, and therefore Ethereum's better. No, that's not fair. I think no, that's totally no one fair. is omni. You are, are you? You are ignorant. Yeah, no one is omni. Uh, no one knows exactly what's happening. And what, what's my bet is my bet is that everything that's happening in the real world is a lot more dynamic than you are giving it credit. Okay. Well, okay. Sure. Okay. Wait. So, I mean, we could continue to just, you know, bash each other back and forth here. Um, I, ultimately we're figuring this thing out. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about, uh, I guess like we kind of hashed out on a lot of these topics, liquidity mining, mm-hmm. uh, why these tokens are different than just stupid utility tokens. Mm-hmm. Can you, let's talk a little bit about like token valuation on these capital mm-hmm. assets. It's something that you've been talking about, something that Ryan Chanam has been talking about a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going back and forth with Chris Berniski and he posted an article that I need to read that he wrote about token valuations and capital assets. Um, educate me on, on why these capital assets, like what you look for at least in valuing these capital assets. Well, I think this is actually where we get to start to borrow a lot of, you know, tried and true valuations that are used like pre-crypto, right? Like the uh, price to earnings ratio, right? Um, and then you also have to factor in growth of, of these applications. There's always, there is like a ton of fucking growth baked into these applications. Like MKR was already trading at like, I don't know, but like 1000x price to earnings. And Compound is already like 10 times more than that. So there's already like a lot of growth baked in or straight up straight up overvaluation and hype. Um, but, but that's the thing is like, these are the same old capital assets that we've seen throughout history that you find on the stock market, that you find that with the typical valuations, like the, there's a company that, that generates fees and then that's the cash flow of the company, that's the revenue of the company. And then there's the price of the asset that governs over those fees. Like this, this isn't like, this isn't new. The only, the only thing that's new about it is that it's happening on Ethereum and this is what like the old ICO mania was missing, right? Like we were never able to like do this with fucking BAT token. Like BAT token doesn't generate fees, doesn't capture fees. Uh, but comp token does, MKR token does, like bal- balancer token does. Like, it, and so like the, the you're muted. Uh, sorry, comp doesn't capture fees right now. Compound captures fees. Comp token governs over compound. So, but doesn't necessarily like this token doesn't equal this cash flow to you. Who gets yes. the cash flows from Compound right now? Just the the uh, liquidity provider. The so, yeah. Comp token will theoretically insert a middleman into that from a governance perspective. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. it's the idea. And how? So you said that there's a uh, 10 million comp ever. Um, well, no. Because- okay. Compound could vote to issue more. Okay. Um, how think of how, it as just like, it's just a digital corporation. Yeah, like, I mean, all the all the tools of typical corporations that you see on the stock market are are present. 
Yep, I mean, uh, I think Hasu talked about this on his interview with us way back in the days. He is confused why they're not using, you know, the tried and true model of a corporation issuing tokens and why they have to put, you know, pre, uh, pre-mined hard cap on, on this stuff and try to copy Bitcoin. Um, so how did... How did... Not... <laughs> they just picked 10 million. That's, that's what MKR chose. They just, they just knew oh, no, I, I wasn't, just I wasn't bashing them. I was talking, I was bashing the ICOs. Like a lot of the ICOs were kind of like measured in, in Bitcoins, you know, Bitcoin had a hard cap. We're going to have a hard cap. Here's the supply of our token, whatever. Okay, so this this is what I, I always claim Bitcoiners are doing is they're using like, oh, you guys are copying Bitcoin instead of just saying like, okay, there's a good idea out there and we're all tapping into that one central good idea, Bitcoining. Sure, it. but like, a hard cap was not a good idea if it wasn't backed up with a lot of the other game theoretics. And that's what a lot of ICOs did wrong. And and uh, that Hasu said, I don't get why, you know, they don't use tokens more like equity and more like how a traditional company would issue shares and would you know mm-hmm. dilute shares and whatever it's just a tool for them to fundraise and 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 make decisions so this makes more sense yeah um i would just say like it's it's the if you're starting off on like some you need to start off somewhere and so it makes sense to start off without diluting and then have some sort of initial issuance that you trickle out and so then, because the idea is spawning governance, right? We're trying to spawn a community of governors who then can vote in something that makes sense after we figure out this experiment period of how, how do we get hands, uh, people holding comp tokens. Can you compare and contrast like comp governance versus maker, to- uh, maker governance? And I know that you are heavily involved in maker governance and you're, you're a fan of mm-hmm. being part of that community. Like, are you equally excited about uh, governing compound? Yeah, uh, it's the same thing, right? And so, like, there people submit, and it's the same thing as in Tezos, I think, uh, where like somebody will submit code, like actually make a transaction on Ethereum that submits code, and then there will be a proposal to include that code into the compound, like comp- uh, like a mar- modular piece of code that integrates its code and then swaps out some other code, um, or really just tweaks some numbers is really what we're talking about. Um, so it's actually the same thing as MakerDAO, where there are these tokens, and then there are proposals that are submitted, and then people vote on them, and and then somebody makes a transaction on Ethereum that uh, allows for code to be changed if the conditions are met, and the conditions are met that are met are like this pr- particular proposal has the leading number of votes. Uh, so it's a- it's actually just the exact same thing as MakerDAO. Um, there may be some nuances that I'm missing, but at a high level, it's just the same exact governance process. Um, what's what's missing is that I don't think that there are like Thursday risks, risk and governance meetings that the, the MakerDAO Foundation has. I don't think Compound has started that up, but I bet you that's coming. Are the risk and governance meetings done through Zoom? Yeah. Lol. People are allowed to coordinate. Like what? You, just because there's like this one central Zoom meeting? Like, no, that doesn't make it centralized. Does that? No, but does that make Zoom a central point of failure? Like we already no. know that Zoom has some pretty dubious uh, privacy uh, practices. I'm sure there are other ways to coordinate a global set of stakes. And plus, that's not even where decisions are made. That's just a place where meetings happen to talk about the decisions. That's not the final the final judgment place. I, I would like to see final... the move away from proprietary software over to open source software like Jitsi. Just, just a suggestion. 
Okay, this is a ridiculous thing to harp on. <laughs> the the medium <laughs> through which governors decide make talk about governance is not important. You're just as bad as the U.S. government doing all your private shit over Zoom. Aren't Zoom oh servers God. in China? You are you are peak Bitcoiner right now. I just I just thought I was being funny. Um, <laughs> So I guess what what are the attack vectors right now for comp governance? Like it seems as though like this is helping with distribution. Is this distribution better than maker distribution? Like is yeah, this... I would say so. Like that's the big differentiator between uh, comp token and MKR token. Is MKR was like ha handed out in bulk at the very early days to developers to help incentivize like development, and then. Uh, and that was it. That was how it was distributed. Eventually, it just it just organically found its way to the secondary market. So that's like how people like me got my hands on it. Um, but but there's so it was kind of it was definitely handed out like in a top down fashion, right? Where like Rune was like, okay, if you build this, I'll give you like ten thousand MKR. Uh, and I mean, it was a, an effective distribution mechanism, but it wasn't protocolized. The difference between MKR distribution and comp di distribution was that com the comp distribution has been protocolized. Um, there, there definitely also is like a can, like, like in the same way, like a company would issue equity to, to its employees, like that also happened. And then, and then, uh, people, the investors in compound also received their handout. Um, but like, um, a decent portion is being protocolized in its handout to people that provide value to compound. Can do you, is there a chart that shows the distribution that you have handy? I would like to see that. Yeah, that's what I was trying share. to find earlier. And I can't figure out the fucking keywords to, um, to find it. I feel like that would be really useful in, in yeah. actually judging this thing. Although I do think that the, I mean, there is this permissionless aspect similar to mining in order to get it. Like everyone has a fair chance at these amount, but I'm curious to see like what portion is the quote unquote, uh, pre-mined portion. That, that kind of has well, so more it's arbitrary. all pre-mined, right? It's all sure, okay. But most people that got it needed to liquidity mine to get it. Like, who got it that didn't need to liquidity mine? I right. think that's what is more interesting to dig into and, and kind of assess. And does it matter? Like, I'm sure they deserve. I'm sure they deserve some of it. Mm -hmm. This is this is going to take me a second to find. You guys, how are you liking this uh, back and forth? <laughs> I hope I'm not being too annoying to all you Ethan's <laughs> with my questions. Uh, also, comment on how you like the graphics. How can we make these better? Um, it's definitely better than just a straight Zoom, uh, Zoom stream. So, I, I think this is definitely an improvement. I want to find these stats. These th yeah. this is this is the most interesting part of the stats. Um, something that's interesting too, though, is like, could Maker have been possible with this methodology for token distribution? Because it sound, it feels like, like, did it? I mean, like, what was it? Like, how did Compound get to this point and could uh, without a token? And could Maker have gone to this point without a token? Oh, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Ready? Right, share your screen. Uh, it's just going to be me sharing a Medium article, but okay. That's fine. Hopefully, there's charts. Uh, no charts. Okay. Uh, okay. So there's 10 million comp, right? Uh, so 24% uh, have been distributed to the shareholders of Compound Labs, which created the protocol. Um, so that's just shareholders of the of the uh, Compound team, uh, the Compound company. 22% um, allocated to founders and team and subject to its four-year vesting. So that's like Robert Lesher and 
maybe Jake Scherniski, I don't know. Um, uh, what is this? This is 3%, yeah, 3.7% allocated to future team members. Um, 42% allocated to uh, users of the protocol. So that's what we're talking about with the mining. So 42% is being trickled out over time to people that are providing or borrowing from Compound. Uh, and then 7.7% are, uh, are reserved for the community to advance governance through other means, which will be announced at a future date. And then zero comp will be sold or retained by Compound Labs. So, I mean, this is the big number, right? This is the one we care about. Uh, Con uh, people so like this is this is vcs 24 percent went to vcs um uh, like paradigm a16c etc um 22 went to like the builders the the founders of compound robert lesher etc um and then uh but then 42.3 percent uh go to the users goes to the community is issued out straight into the hands of the community who are providing work to, uh, or value to compound mm -hmm. i mean theoretically all these people provided benefit it is interesting yes, to see right. that i mean there's slightly more tokens allocated to the team and vcs than the community Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they're they're gonna dump, dude. They're they're not gonna hold on to it forever. They're gonna, they're gonna dump this over time. It's literally fifty one percent. It's it's forty nine percent that is like to the community and fifty one percent to to the team and VCs. I bet you this is already this is already so this was this is old, right? This is at the initial mm -hmm. distribution and comp goes on to uh, Coinbase soon. Dude, A sixteen D is just gonna dump. They're, they'll hold on to some, but they're gonna dump. What's your opinion so on Coinbase these days? Hold on, let, let's finish this up. Also, uh, Robert can't dump because he has a four-year vesting period. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, they're dumping at some point in time. I'm sure he's liquidity mining himself. <laughs> You're just so cynical. Dude, it's not cynical. Like, you know the mechanism. You fucking designed the mechanism. Like, you're not going to mm -hmm. liquidity mine? Like, come on. Like, of course he's going to continue not. to use... I mean... Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet at him right now. I'm gonna tweet at him right now. From from uh, here we go. This is gonna be great. Robert, come on to the podcast though. I, I would yeah. like to to ask you these tough questions. Although uh, I mean, I guess it seems like I'm I don't know how to judge it. Like it, this is already more fair than a corporation. Theoretically, you know, issues of shares are only issued to employees and only issued to uh to uh investors and vcs and then when they go public all those people get to dump on retail so retail gets a chance at it right so theoretically with liquidity mining that's already there so if you're like you're saying comparing it to the constituency uh this is more fair but mm -hmm. i mean the governance of this protocol forever uh I don't know. It's uh, is is this fair enough for it to uh, be quote unquote decentralized? I don't know. Again, it's the most decentralized version of whatever compound is that we know of. You can go buy ownership on this, and that's that's the cool thing I wanted to bring up. Like the forty two percent of uh, comp that's being issued out to people that are working for the protocol. That's that's no KYC comp, right? Like they don't ask for KYC. And you also don't, Uniswap doesn't ask for KYC. So if you go to Uniswap and you buy comp there, 
there's no there's no KYC there either. So there's no this is no KYC governance over a an application. And so like this is what I really wish Matt Odell would appreciate a little bit more because like there's no way there's I will I will bet a lot of money that there's never ever any KYC coming to any Ethereum application like this like Compound Maker. These two applica applications are not getting KYC, especially not the Comp token, especially not the MKR token. You're muted. I don't know. I would say that those are two of the the biggest targets. Like they're U.S. based corporations that have large percentages of the governance token. But the governance of the system has to vote in KYC. They have to vote. 50, you know, fifty one percent is KYC'd. Like fifty one percent is already KYC'd. So more than half yeah, but, the tokens out the gate are KYC'd. Yeah, but KYC isn't a part of the token. That's a very important difference. Yeah, Being but where's the attack vector? Is not KYC. Well, it's okay. Just use GitHub. You'll KY. You'll you'll dox the rest of your funds. Okay. Sorry, use Gitcoin. Again, the and there's all these other. There are that's just that's not even a fair thing to say, dude. Because like getting it back into private Ethereum via Tornado Cash and and Aztec is just trivial. I saw Vitalik bitching about paying fees on Aztec on Twitter. Or sorry, paying fees on Tornado Cash on Twitter. <laughs> Alright. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Um, this is a fun rip. Um, thank you for explaining these things to me and, and dealing with my snark. Yeah, the snark was strong today. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually right, guys, surprised that I even had the energy to have the snark. <laughs> I think it's there by default. <laughs> All right, guys, you can follow the podcast at POV Crypto Pod. You can follow me at Trustless State, both on Twitter and on Bankless. Yeah, you can find me at CK underscore Snarks and uh, check out Bitcoin Magazine. Thanks for watching. Hey, five star reviews as well. Five star reviews. It's a fool, you